0: are listening to the Staff Study Podcast, a ministry of Bible Baptist Church in Mount Orib, Ohio. We hope this podcast will encourage you to study the Word of God and to grow in Christ. Welcome to another episode of the Staff Study Podcast. Today we have myself, Dominic, and Jason in the studio, and we are going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, Jason has done some study uh, in this chapter and in some depth, so we're excited to get into that today. Before we get into it, just want to remind you all, as we always do, make sure to find us on Facebook, our social medias, what are we posted on, Spotify, Amazon, Google, and Apple? Yeah. Apple Podcasts. So um, make sure, you know, you find it, you share it with a friend. Um, That's one of our goals of this podcast is to make it a resource for people you know, to be able to share it with their friends and whatnot who, you know, just to be an encouragement maybe, you know, for a daily devotional or also, you know, those who um, you may have a burden for that still need to be saved. So without further ado, let's dive into scripture today. Jason, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 1. What brought this chapter to your mind and kind of give us some some background, I guess, on on why we're
1: looking at Ephesians 1 today. So the reason why I kind of And passionate a little bit about this chapter is that we're seeing, I guess you want to classify it as doctrine or just teaching, or it's just a mindset among um, Christian churches today that it's really just kind of overwhelming and taking over uh, churches, and it's getting to a place where it's affecting ministries, you know, things that we've done within our Christian churches for years and people are almost kind of turning their backs and walking away from some of these things because of some of the teachings. And, you know, I don't wanna just start pointing fingers and all that type of stuff, but we're seeing just a huge influx of Calvinism and Reformed theology. And it's not just taking over, you know, different denominations different from us, but we're seeing this even beginning to creep in, and it's creeping in at a very steady pace. Even in Baptist, good Baptist churches, people are um, accepting some of these, these um, doctrines and these teachings. And when you look and study what they're teaching, why they're teaching it, and looking at the scripture, the pinnacle or the core of what they're teaching stems from Ephesians chapter number one. Hmm. There are some words that are used that are biblical, theological words. And I think a lot of times when we use these words, people get intimidated or people get scared because, you know, they're mile long words. Right. (laughs) And we don't always know what the definition is. And a lot of times that can intimidate us. But I think when you look with an unbiased lens and you pray and let the holy spirit guide guide you through what the scripture says i think it's quickly and clearly you can see what god's trying to um trying to teach yeah. so the words that we're going to try to do our best and this is not going to be an exhaustive study right by now. any man, by any means because there are thousands of books that people have written you know either in support of or against calvinism Um, You know, Reformed theology, all these different beliefs. So for us to sit here and say we're going to do an exhaustive study in 30 minutes, (laughs) Mm -hmm. probably not. And and I don't even know if we all have the wisdom, the three of us together have the wisdom, you know, we're going to come up short. So we're just going to do our best looking at Ephesians chapter 1, just taking some of these. Um, teachings and um, not hatefully, but just, just exposing truth, what God is trying to say. Yeah. Good. So, you know, when we look at Ephesians chapter number uh, one, we know the apostle Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus. And he says in verse number three, blessed be the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and having heavenly places in Christ. So he's talking to believers He's talking to people that have accepted Christ. He says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. And so right away, we see the Apostle Paul bringing up a huge theological statement that we can quickly overlook, or we might just accept what somebody would give us, you know, saying that this is what that verse means. But we need to stop for a minute and look at, what uh, the apostle Paul is saying, he's saying he, in verse number four at the very beginning, he says, "According as he hath chosen us, us as the believers, right." Yeah. And then yeah. it says, "In him, do we know who him is?" Yes, yeah, Jesus, right. right? Right. And so it's saying that he hath chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, and when. When we start looking at these um, these words, you know, the first one that's going to pop up right here is election. And when we're trying to define and look at what is election, what category or what group do we fit into? We just have to start picking apart the scripture and it will help us to see. So it's saying here that he hath chosen us in him. We as a believer are chosen in christ jesus but what a lot of people will teach or say is that when it comes to this term chosen or this term election is that god before the foundations of the world elected or chose if a person is going to be eternally lost or they're going to be eternally saved and so what they will say is that it's decided before you're even born if you're going to die and go to heaven or you're going to die and go to hell. Well, as a Baptist, and I'm proud to be a Baptist, that automatically starts stirring up in my mind, sure. you know, red flags. Triggers, yeah. Yeah, and I'm thinking, okay, well, that's contrary to what we teach and what I believe, Yes. you know, my own personal convictions. So the question is, What are we chosen to? So the question is, what are we chosen to? When we see here in chapter number one, verse number four, at the end of the verse, it gives the best definition. If we're going to talk about things in context, verse number four, it says that we should be holy and without blame um, before him in love. So a lot of times people will say that our eternity is chosen, that he chose whether we're going to go to heaven or whether we're going to go to hell before the foundations of the world. And that's not what he's talking about. Paul wasn't talking about our eternity being chosen. The choice that God made was he was going to provide means for us to live a holy, righteous life. He wanted to choose us. That we would bring glory to him. Right.
0: Right. Because isn't that God's ultimate goal is that he brings glory to himself in everything right. he yeah. does. Right. Right. And, so
2: and where is the if that's choosing salvation, where are the unbelievers addressed? Right. Where's the other side?
1: Right. They're and,
2: no they're found nowhere in yeah.
1: Ephesians one. And so one of the 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 things that we're always teaching when we're trying to teach other people how to rightly divide the word of truth mm. is that you have to have context. Absolutely. He's not talking about in this context our eternity being predestinated or chosen before before we're, we die if we're going to go to heaven or hell. If that was the context, then I would say, okay, yeah, maybe we have something to consider. Right. But that's not what he's considering. We don't find that. No, yeah. that's completely out of context. Right, yeah.
0: And so for those, you know, who have taken that out of context or, you know, um, one of the points of Calvinism, which, you know, we're talking about these words, election, predestination, um, it's, a, it's a word they use quite frequently, mm-hmm. but they, they have this belief of the the limited atonement and unlimited atonement and just... I guess if you could give us some clarity on, on those terms and
1: what is that? How does this tie in with election? Yeah, how does it fit together? Yes. Which limited and unlimited atonement goes hand in hand with um, election. Okay. Okay. So um, mm-hmm. so when it talks about, um, in verse number four, that he hath chosen us, that's the doctrine of election. Okay, that's where, where they get that from. Right. Okay, so limited atonement and unlimited atonement, when you... Just get it down to putting the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can understand it. It's you have to categorize yourself in one of two areas. Do you believe that when Jesus died on the cross, that his atonement was limited to a certain um, group of people or is it unlimited? Okay, so here's what I mean by this. When it comes to the topic of, or the idea of limited atonement, a lot of times they will use John chapter 10, verse number 15. The verse states this, as the father knoweth me, even so know I the father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. We know that Jesus is talking here, okay? He's talking about his his death. But in this chapter, Jesus is referred to the good shepherd, and what they will claim is that since he laid down his life for his sheep, not everyone is included in the flock. Hmm. So they will use that verse as Jesus is saying that he only laid down his life for his sheep, for his sheep. For his sheep. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're um, segregating or they're cutting out and they're saying that he only meant that to be uh, true, that statement to be true for his sheep. Another one is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. It says that even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So since Christ loved the church, what they claim is that he gave his life for the church mm-hmm. and that his love is not the same as um, it is for the rest of the world. So because he only gave his life for the church, not for the whole world. Right. So you guys can see quickly how limited atonement, what they're saying is that is that um, he died for just a small group of people or a certain number of people, Yeah. and that his atonement was not applied to everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, my question is, if that is true, then what do you do with the word whosoever? Right. 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 We, in our youth group, if you guys, um, Kenton, you might remember a couple years ago, we made uh, shirts for our youth group for church camp. And in bold letters across the uh, across the chest of it, we put the um, the phrase. It says, "I'm a whosoever." Yep. Yep. You know, unlimited atonement means that He provided atonement for everybody. Right. Right. And so when Jesus said, "For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved." Or in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, Yes. I um, believe it the verse, it. The verse comes to my mind. I don't
0: know where it's at, but talking about how God wishes that none should perish, mm-hmm. which, you know, if Jesus died for a certain people group, well, then God and Jesus are at odds with one another as far as what the will is. Well, we know Jesus' will was to do the will of the Father, mm-hmm. and so that would be a contraindication in my mm-hmm. mind if we were to go the path of limited atonement. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unlimited atonement makes sense to me.
2: Yeah, and if, can I yeah, go put ahead. in this one verse, I just it, it popped up when you went to John 10 uh, and Jesus talking and how that verse is used and it, it reminded me of um, some other things Jesus said um, just a few chapters later in John 17 um, because as you said, we need context, we need what does Scripture say in all areas? Mm-hmm. And so if Jesus said something in John 10, mm-hmm. surely it's it's going to match up with what He said in, in John 17. So continuing with that, it reminded me of this passage in John 17. Um, we'll start in um, verse 13. He, he's talking to two different groups here, those that are His. He's referring to them as them in these verses, versus the world, Mm -hmm. which those that aren't his Mm -hmm. at the time we're going to see. But in verse 13, it says, Now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So you see there's two different people groups he's talking about Mm -hmm. right at the moment. And then he says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. This is where I'm getting verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Mm -hmm. So clearly you see he's talking to those that have believed on him, but then he's pointing and saying, I want the whole world to believe on me. This yeah. is also through for the all ones those... that have believed
0: on me. Yes. To bring the world yes. into yeah. right. that same union with Christ. That's, yeah. that's good.
1: Yeah. You know, and here's what's interesting too, is that they will even go as far as taking Matthew chapter seven, verse 22 and 23, where it's talking about that there's going to be a certain group that in the day of judgment that they'll say, you know, uh, that they'll say, Lord, you know, we did all these things. We, we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils. We did all these things. And then um, his response to them is, I never knew you. Yeah. And they'll claim that the reason why he says, I never knew you, is because they weren't part of the elect. They weren't mm. part of the, the chosen. Yeah. But, you know, back to that word, whosoever, found this interesting. Yeah. It's used 110 times in Scripture. Wow. And never one of those times is it ever used. Um, that it's used without restriction, mm. meaning that, you know, it's never any time that it's used, it's without restriction, meaning that it applies to everybody. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's never used the word um, whosoever and then it only applies to a certain number of people right. or a great. certain group. Right. So I would say that we serve a God that's a whosoever unlimited atonement God. Amen. And so, yeah. You know, that's clear in Scripture. Right. For right. sure. Awesome. Awesome. So going back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 5, in this next step of this process, he says, having predestinated us. So we've already addressed what um, that he hath chosen us. He's chosen right. us for his glory. Yeah. To live and a godly life. To live a godly life, yeah. exactly, um, and without blame. Then he says, having predestinated us. That word predestination, it means to mark out beforehand a lot of times you know people just um tie this in with that doctrine of election that it was Mm. predestinated before we were ever born that we would die and go to heaven or we would die and go to hell so the question is what was predestinated yeah what was predestinated was our salvation Mm -hmm. think about this for a second when god back in genesis chapter um two and three when god was putting everything into order and creating the world if you guys remember on the sixth day the bible says that he took a couple handfuls of dirt and he formed uh, a body out of the dust of the ground and then the bible says that he bent over and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul right so we know that that first human being that was created was adam and then Adam, as he was naming the animals, he realized that there was a male and there was a female for everything and everything had its mate, but he realized that he didn't have one. And so God realized that he needed somebody to be with him. Um, and so, so the Bible says that he caused this deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed it to flesh instead thereof. Mm-hmm. And then he took that rib and he placed it into a body and that became Eve. But when God, you know, woke both of them up, Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. We see that they came together as husband and wife and God sent them off to live into the Garden of Eden. And where a lot of error begins to develop from that point is that People will make these doctrines out like God didn't know that they were going to go into the Garden of Eden and that they were going to sin. Hmm. You see, God told them to go and live in the garden, and he told them to dress it and keep it and that they could eat of the fruit. But there was one commandment that they were supposed to follow, not to eat of the tree of good and evil, right? Right. Did God know beforehand that they were going to stumble and fall and disobey yes he did yeah and so when he brought them to that point and they ended up eating the fruit because they were beguiled of the the serpent when they ate that fruit and fell into disobedience it wasn't like god you know got on the defensive side and started thinking okay they just sinned. That completely messed everything up. <laughs> right. What are we supposed to do next? What's our next yeah. step? Right. And he starts putting all these steps into place like trying to recover. No, he had a plan already in place. That was what was predestinated, was his plan of salvation.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: His plan of salvation for the whole entire world is that he was going to send his son, Jesus, to come and be born in a manger, and live his life 33 years, and never commit any sin, and that he was going to lay down his life for the sinner. Yeah. So that plan was predestinated. Set in place before the yes. problem ever arose. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we don't serve a God that doesn't know. You know, we. one of the basic primary um, characteristics or um, attributes of God Is that he's omniscient. He knows everything. Yes. And so you have a guy that can a God that can form man out of the dust of the ground. He can put a living soul inside of him. He can give him a conscience. He can give him a mind. He can give him a personality. He can put all these things into order. But he didn't know that he would disobey if he gave him one command. Hmm. I have a hard time believing that. You know, I I believe wholeheartedly that he knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin. And so he had his plan of salvation, that he was going to send his son. That was all in place before the foundations of the world were laid so that when this uh, moment came, he already had that plan. It was already predestinated. It was already marked out beforehand of how he was going to provide salvation. That's good.
0: And you know, I think a lot of times we come into the mindset of, oh my goodness, like, what is God going to do from here, right? Because mm-hmm. it's so early on in our scriptures, mm-hmm. is Genesis 3, mm-hmm. they fall into sin, right? And mm-hmm. then from there on, we see the effects of sin, mm-hmm. you know, until we get to Revelation in the new heaven, new earth. But we have to remember that before the Bible was ever written, before the, before the Garden of Eden, God had been doing whatever in eternity past, right? Mm-hmm. You know, where he had to develop this plan of salvation, so.
1: Right. Right.
2: So again, just to to kind of reiterate what you're saying, because I'm learning. You're teaching me as we're going here, Jason. I'm learning. Well, come, good. I'm, I'm learning. That's my here. that's my goal. <laughs> in life is I want to teach. No, Dominic. It, the it's, <laughs> it's um it's just really really cool how you're laying it out here. Because so what you're saying basically is in verse four we saw that first of all he chose us to be holy, as mm-hmm. you pointed out, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not a chose us whether or not to be saved. First mm-hmm. of all. And then you're saying, verse five, he predestined us. It's saying there to the adoption, the plan was predestined. Again, we're not seeing that he predestinated us whether or not we were going to be saved. Mm-hmm. And that's the point you're. Yes. The more I making, the more I've yeah. thought
0: about it, and you know we are talking about like the uh, the Calvinistic side, and what you know these people when they take the verses out of context, what the conclusion they come to. It seems to be a very selfish reasoning, does it not, you know, when they're saying, you know, only a Calvinist is going to be, be the one to believe that they are elected, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody would want to hear that. Yeah, nobody would true. claim to be a Calvinist and say, well, I'm not elected, right. but I do believe the Calvinistic doctrine. Right. You know, what is that?
1: Well, and they, they'll, I've asked that question to, you know, a couple people before, Yeah. and they claim the reason why they believe that or why they've accepted it is because they're part of the elect.
0: So it sure, always sure. plays
1: into their favor. <laughs> yes, sure. Right. Kind of like Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, at one time they believed that there was only going to be 144,000 people that were saved. Well, once their their um, church grew to more than 144,000, it's like, uh, we put well. Come up a new plan. <laughs> yeah, let's divert from this. But it always works into their favor because they're part of that. Right. Nobody wants to accept.
0: No. Well, and that's why I get at the, mm-hmm. you know, it's a very selfish doctrine in itself because the focus is on, I am elected, I mm-hmm. am it's my salvation, right? But it's what we're talking about is God and he's mm-hmm. always the one we're supposed to be giving glory to as mm-hmm. we've seen in verse 4 talked mm-hmm. about it earlier. So right.
1: and here's here's where, you know, we talk we've mentioned about like reformed theology and all this type of stuff. So if I can kind of put this to you guys, I guess in a simplified way of trying to think when we're talking about salvation in reform theology a lot of times people will say when it comes to salvation that salvation has to be completely of god and what they mean is that god seen us in our sin and sent his son and provided salvation for us and that he sent his holy spirit and that we were saved because god pursued us that we had no part in our salvation, and they claim that the moment that we repent or we um, begin to call out to God, that we're taking glory for our salvation. Like, and they will claim like repentance and faith are works, mm. and so they'll claim that if we believe that we are saved because we repent and we have faith, that that our Salvation becomes a works-based salvation, Mm -hmm. and we're robbing God of glory. And so they're saying that salvation has to be completely of God. Mm. Well, I want to tell you that today that when it comes to salvation, there's part that is all God, but there's a part of man's responsibility too. Think about this. When you look at this chosen us or this elected in verse number four, And that then in verse number five, it says, having predestinated. That's God's side of soteriology of salvation. Right. Yeah. You know, God chose us. God predestinated us before the foundation of the world. That wasn't on our part. That was on God's part. That was his part of soteriology. Right. Our part is that we have accepted and believed in the gospel. And so there's just because God's foreknowledge. He has foreknowledge, that is um, not causation, meaning mm. that He doesn't force anybody to be saved. Right. Yeah. That He predestinated and chose us before the foundations of the world, but we still have a responsibility to accept the gospel, right, and yeah. to repent. Yeah. Does that make sense? It
2: does. And that, and and I think what you're saying there, I've heard people make the confusion. There's a difference. Foreknowledge. God mm-hmm. can have foreknowledge, mm-hmm. and free will can still exist. Mm-hmm. Those two don't have to cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times people yeah. mistake that or they have a wrong idea of foreknowledge. Yeah. Like there can be no free will mm-hmm. if God has foreknowledge of, mm-hmm. of all these things, right? And right.
0: to kind of go back to the, the part of, you know, there's God's part of the deal, so to speak, and our part, you know, what we're responsible for you know how many times in scripture do we see where god makes a covenant with somebody and he says you know if if you do this i will do mm-hmm. oh, my yes. part yes conditional yeah. and it's it's all the same with the plan the of scripture. salvation because mm-hmm. you know it would contradict all the contracts god had made mm-hmm. with man yeah. you know yeah. as going yeah. through time and history and yeah. so to speak so
1: yeah um and you know if you think about this too is that Um, we have this responsibility to accept salvation you know somebody can tell us the gospel but it's up to us if we choose to believe or not believe right when you're presenting the gospel out on the street you're you're telling them about how to get saved you're telling them the story of Jesus Christ but when it comes down to it, they have to decide. Right. right. Well, it doesn't divide. We'll talk about in
0: Romans. They are without excuse. Yeah. And talking yeah. about how we're condemned if we don't mm-hmm. choose to accept Christ. Right.
1: Yeah. And what does it say in Hebrews? Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a choice. Yeah. Yes. sounds yeah. like a choice to me yes. Yes. as in the day of provocation. Well, it's like Kenton said, I mean,
2: flip. The Bible open to just about any spot, and you're going to be see God presenting some man mm-hmm. with a choice. Mm-hmm. His will may be revealed to that person. Mm-hmm. It's still up to yeah. what that person... How many times in the Old Testament characters do we see God tells them His will, presents them with two avenues, and they choose right or wrong?
0: Mm-hmm. It's over and, and over. This is just to carry on the idea. You know, if God were to take care of our salvation, why would He give us commandments on how to live our life according and pleasing to him Mm -hmm. and you know to to honor and glorify him if Mm -hmm. if it doesn't matter so to speak right if we were already predestined
1: and if you guys can see i'm sure you guys are seeing this but let me just point this out maybe somebody's not quite catching this yet the reason why this is such a big deal is that if god provides salvation and we have no choice there's no reason for there to be a great commission Mm, yeah. Yes. When, as a church, we're commanded to go out and win people to Christ. Yeah. I know they talk about that, well, you know, there, there might be somebody out there seeking after God, but the book of Romans lays it out pretty clear. There's none that doeth mm. good, no, not one. And yeah. it says that there's none that seeketh after God. Right. That's why it's so important for us to go out and engage people and talk yeah. and, you know, invite them to come to church, invite them to hear the gospel. And because if we accept that we are predestinated or we are chosen in the light of being elected before the foundations of the world, then that completely kills the gospel. And that's why these doctrines that are creeping in the churches, we're seeing good, strong churches that are inclining in attendance. They start accepting some of these beliefs, and then the next thing you know, it that their attendance is falling off and ministries are dying. Why? Right. Because they've given up going out and trying to get people to come in. Yeah. There's no point. There's if, no urgency. Yeah. There's no yeah. urgency. There's no point if everybody in the end is going to be predestinated if they're going to go to heaven or hell. There's nothing you can do about it. Yes. And it's, so, it's just an ignorance, mm-hmm. you know, of
0: what God's word says, and mm-hmm. you know, if you're not aware of the need in the first place, then mm-hmm. why would you ever pursue? how to accomplish or meet that need so
1: right and the last part that i want to look at here is in verse number five it says having predestinated us unto the adoption of the children um, by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will you know one of the greatest i guess benefits of salvation is that when we are accepted and uh, when we have accepted christ and we stand as a redeemed believer in the eyes of God we the Bible says that we become a joint heir with Jesus Christ I don't know about you guys but my mind cannot quite comprehend that that everything that Jesus has he's going to share it with us it's amazing to me that I've just looking this up that when Paul was writing here there were four things legally that took place in the Roman um, in the Roman culture in a legal in Roman adoption process. Yeah. As far as like the Roman custom, hmm. when they would take and have a legal ceremony that um, entailed adoption, there were four things that took place. Number one, in these four things, you know, it's just a picture of what our new relationship is in Jesus Christ because we're adopted. Number one, when a person was adopted in this uh, Roman custom, the adopted person lost all rights in his old family. Mm. That old family, everything that we were, is passed away, and now we're standing here in Jesus Christ. Number two, he became heir to his new family's to his new father's estate. Mm. Like I said a minute ago, I don't understand what it's going to be like with Jesus sharing everything and that we're going to rule and reign with him. We're going to be right there by his side. How he's going to share it with everybody.
2: Yeah. You know, I know
1: I try to share things with my children, my human children, and sometimes I question if they're human or not. (laughs) But you guys know I love my kids and I try to share things with them. But you guys ever tried to share a candy bar with three kids, mm. and it's like, here everybody gets an equal part. Well, they all they have give a you different. The yeah. yeah, they all have a different view on what equal part <laughs> is. Yes. So how in the world he's going to share everything that he has with us for eternity? For eternity. Yeah. Amazing. But that is unbelievable to me. Number three, the old life of the adopted person was completely wiped out, as if it had never been. Mm. That's just. You know, mm-hmm. that blows good. me away. It brings my mind to the verse, as
0: far as the East is from the West. Yeah, talking so about far, our sin, it. moved our transgressions. Yeah, yeah. S- yeah. S-
1: and then the last one it says, in the eyes of the law, the adopted person was literally and absolutely the son of his new father. Hmm. You know, when we accept Jesus Christ, we become a son or a daughter of God. And I don't know if there. Well, I know for a fact there's nothing better. When we accept Jesus Christ, we are adopted. We become His child for eternity.
2: So, in talking of becoming a child of God for eternity, uh, we'd be remiss if, if we didn't um, fully explain uh, to all of you who are listening um, just how you can become a child of God. Right. Um, and it's, it's the most important decision you'll ever make, and this whole episode has hit, has, you know, has hit on um, some just wonderful details of being a child of God and what you have because of that. But if you're listening and you're not sure of that, um, of your salvation, and you're not sure that you're a child of God, that you've been born again, um, we do want to share with you there's, there's just a couple simple things you need to know, and the Bible lays it out very clearly. Uh, first of all, in Romans 3.23, it tells us that uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so somewhere uh, down our in in our life, we were born with a sin nature, of course, so we have sinned against God and we've broken His commandments. And so we're unfit to stand before Him um, at the end of our life. And that's, that's every person because it says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And... Because of that, um, we see in Romans 6:23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there again is the two, cho- two choices, like we've been talking about in this episode. The wages of our sin, or what we've earned because of our sin, um, is death. And so if all have sinned, then all have earned death. It's very simple. And so that is why, that's the explanation to why people die and go to a place called hell. Because if there's if there's a heaven, then there is a hell, of course. Um, so that's the bad news. That's the bad news. But the story, thankfully, doesn't stop there. And this is the good news. And that is, in Romans 5, 8, it tells us that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he died for us um, while we were yet sinners. So uh, he lived a perfect life, completely God, completely man on this earth, never sinned once. And because of that, he was able to go to the cross and pay the payment that we could not pay. We would die in our sin because it's what we've earned, and we would uh, face death and hell for eternity. But Christ paid the payment we couldn't pay and he died on the cross to pay for the sins of the whole world. And he was buried. And the third day, he arose and conquered death, hell, and the grave. And so that is all true and, um, and from God's Word. But the most important part is uh, we see that there is that choice you have to make. You do have free will. You do have a choice that you have to make personally for yourself in response to the truth of God's word. And that's in Romans 10:9. It says uh, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then down in verse 13 it says, For whosoever, we were talking about that earlier, whosoever, that's anyone, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it's very simple. If you're listening and you can't remember a time where you have realized that you're a sinner, that is going to be rejected by God if you die the way you are. If you can't remember a time where you've realized that and you have prayed and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, and not only that, but accepted Him as your Savior, accepted His payment and what He did on the cross and asked Him to give that to you, to give you that gift that He offers to everyone. If you can't remember a time and a place where you've done that, you've heard the gospel here, You can choose, as you're listening, wherever you may be, to believe what the Bible is saying about Jesus, that He did die on the cross to pay for your sins, that He's the Son of God, and He was able to do that, and that He was buried, and that He rose again. And if you believe that in your heart as you're sitting there, you can simply bow your head and pray. It's our way of talking to God. And if you have that belief in your heart what we're saying here, and you recognize who Jesus is and what he's done for you, you realize you're a sinner that needs to be saved, you could pray uh, something like this and just say, Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner, and I believe that you died to pay for my sins, and that you rose again. I believe that you are the Son of God. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be my Savior. And you could pray that and ask Jesus to save you, and He promised that if you asked Him, that He would do it, and that you would be sealed, um, and that you would have all of these things that we've that Jason has been um, laying out for us so well in the Scriptures. Immediately from the time you believe that and pray that and ask Jesus for it, He would grant you all these things that that we've been covering in this episode today. So, if you're lost, you're not sure about your salvation, we we hope and pray. Um, one of our our biggest goals, if not the biggest goal, is to um, to have people saved and come to know Christ through listening to the podcast. And we'd love for you to let us know um, if if that's a decision you made uh, today, especially.
0: Absolutely. Again, the, what Dominic just laid out for us the plan of salvation that we've been talking about that was predestinated. You know, God elected us to become a part of that salvation because. He's voting for us. He wants you to be saved. He wants us he wants everyone to be saved. So, Dominic, thank you for sharing that. Um, just wanted to remind you all again, you know, make sure to find us, like, subscribe, share the podcast, um, get it out to somebody you know who may not who may not know the Lord. You know, our goal is not to come up with these topics, you know, we don't want to be talking above anybody's head, we just simply want to you know, provide y'all with a way of you know encouraging y'all, and hopefully, maybe even you know it becoming a daily a devotion or, of some kind. But ultimately, we want to bring God glory, and through that, you know, see people come to Christ. So, make sure to get in contact with us somehow. You know, if you made a decision for Christ today, like, subscribe, all that good stuff, and we will see y'all in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Staff Study Podcast. It is our prayer that this has been an encouragement for you in your walk with the Lord. Please visit our website at www.bbcmtorab.org for more information on our church and associated ministries. It is our desire to encourage you to study God's Word. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth.